Hello and welcome to the Activist Podcast, brought to you by Vegan FTA, vegan for the animals. I'm your host, Gareth Skur, and I'll also be joined by my wonderful co-host and wife, Jackie Norman. In this episode, we have vegan ultra-athlete Josh Howell. As an outstanding plant-powered sportsman and passionate animal rights activist, Josh successfully combines the two, setting an example to other plant-based athletes that you can do it for the animals, not just health. We hope you learn as much as we did from this episode and be sure to check out our social media pages at VeganFTA on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube where you can also find the series in video format. Thank you so much for joining us today, Josh. We always like to start these interviews by learning a little bit more about our guests and specifically what it was that led them to become vegan. We understand you, much like Jackie, were influenced by something you saw on Facebook and then prompted to reevaluate your perspective on consuming animals. Would you mind sharing with our audience a little bit about this experience? For sure, yeah. I can't even remember who shared the video, but it was one called The Six Minute Video Will Make You Speechless, and it pretty much did. It had a profound effect on me. I watched it, and so many things were going around in my head, and I always considered myself an animal lover, but then I realized that I would never kill an animal, so paying someone else to do it made me a hypocrite. We've had a dog and a cat as a family, and I realized that why don't we show love and compassion to these other animals? So kind of led me down the rabbit hole, started becoming vegetarian, and then six or seven months later, finally labeled myself vegan after many, many thought processes going on. And here we are now, many years down the track. Oh, that's good. Yes, very strong, very strong. I love it. I love it. And um, I love what you said about the whole, you know, dogs and cats versus other species. Um, We were talking with um, Juliet Galatly recently, and um, they're doing a campaign for Save a Baby, you know, where they've got pictures of, of baby lambs, these huge billboards across the UK. And it's like, you know, some people actually eat these. It's like, yeah, why do we actually do that? It's insane. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, good on you. And that's, that's actually not like a few months between going vegetarian and vegan is, is pretty good, really. I mean, a lot of people, it takes years, like or decades in my case. So, um, but you know, yeah, I admire those people that have changed overnight to do it cold tofu or cold turkey, as people say, <laughs> the veganized version. Then, yeah, that would be awesome. You know, looking back, it, it, I would have loved to have done it in a shorter period of time and obviously would have loved to have done it many, many years ago. But Unfortunately, you know, we're conditioned to think that what what we used to eat was normal. And even one of the other things that I found hard was the fact that mum and dad had probably taught me wrong and told me to eat the wrong food, you know. So all these things were challenging thoughts to have, but you overcome it and realize that it can be a thing and move forward. Yeah, it's one thing going against uh, society and the norm there, but then also going against the parents, you know, that's the yeah, next exactly. level too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's that whole leading by example thing, isn't it? I, I keep that strong in my mind a lot. When uh, Dr. Klepper taught us that, didn't he, about a year ago, we had the, the pleasure of talking to him. And I was the same as, you know, raising my children who are adults now and uh, and thinking, God, you know, everything I taught them was wrong. Like, I, I wish I could take it all back and, and teach them another way. But he's like, totally, well, totally. Yeah. All yeah. you can do is lead by example. And, and I mean, you're totally, you're a shining example of that. <laughs> I just, you know, love your positivity and everything that you do. And, and put out there of yourself and uh, since going vegan you know you've not only become an advocate for the animals but you also took up the task of showing what is possible on a plant-based diet um, in the endurance sports world 
having recently completed a hundred mile, hundred mile <laughs> ultra endurance run, as well as a cheeky bit of activism at the, at the finish line, um, which we look forward to talking about further. We were surprised to find out that prior to being vegan, you know, being active and fit wasn't on your radar. I always love checking out these stories, you know, the backstories of vegan FTA, because you always kind of think it's on, oh, they came to it through health or whatever. And, and often it's a completely different journey. So um, yeah, was there a specific catalyst that made you decide to change that aspect of your life too? Yeah, it kind of all started, I guess, coming together. I realized that, you know, I, I enjoyed riding bikes as a youngster. And then I thought, why did I stop doing it? And there's this huge period from I guess before I was 10 years old till 20 plus where I didn't ride any bikes at all. And I thought I enjoyed it back then. And I enjoyed it again when uh, actually a friend of mine suggested that I, I ride to work and I kind of brushed it off immediately thinking, nah, I don't want to do that. But then, you know, a bit more encouragement from him and I ended up using one of his ones and started really enjoying it. And it, it all kind of started happening, the whole vegan thing at the same time, as well as getting back into a bit of fitness. And yeah, it's progressed nicely from that. Fantastic. Very nicely. Yeah. um, (laughs) Personal health and activism is a topic that we've spoken on multiple times throughout this series, and we'd love to have your input on this. Often we see the memes come up where you're only a real vegan if you, you know, you just eat the junk food. You know, you're only real vegan for the animals if you do that. You know, you've got to um, almost abuse yourself to be it for the animals. You're doing it for the right reasons. Yeah. (laughs) Which, you know, like in in a sense, you know, perpetuates as well that whole idea that veganism is a diet again as well with that thing. And we like to have a bit of fun here and there, but you know, here at Vegan FTA, we encourage people to pursue veganism in whichever form suits them. You know, if you do want to be a junk food vegan, then that's good on you, you know, like uh, get and support some of our fantastic brands out there. But, you know, the thing is, We've learned from so many of our activists that trying to have that level of self-care is needed to be continually fighting for the animals. As an event organizer and a prolific activist, um, how do you approach food for self-care? Well, we often consider ourselves temples, you know, and why not treat your temple with the best food possible? And junk food is definitely not that. There is many vegan junk food options that are, are not healthy and if you're not healthy, then yeah, you can't be out there fighting for the animals or you can't be your, your shining best self. So it's so important. And uh, Shami is one of my best mates who you guys have had on also said this as well, that, you know, we need to be thriving and healthy in order to do our best job for the animals or for whatever it is that we want to do in life. So yeah, that's the way I look at food. You know, why would you fuel your body with the wrong food. It's like you wouldn't go and put the wrong fuel in your car because it won't function correctly. So why do we do that to our bodies, you know? And to me, it's so logical and simple. It's just like, all right, something put us on this earth with our natural diet. Why don't we eat that natural diet and feel the optimum all the time? Like I haven't been sick for three years, you know, and when I was turning vegan, I was sick each year until it progressively got to the stage where, yeah, I haven't gotten sick in a long time. So high raw food, high fruit, high whole foods, and yeah, just treating my body with awesome food. It's got me feeling great. It's a great way to be. And like, I know from our experience, you know, we've gone through even doing this series, you know, where we've got to the stage of burnout because we're just doing so much, you know, to keep things going. And then you start having the junk food because you're feeling burnt out. But, you know, then the times that we've got back on the horse, you know, well, that's the 
That's a specious way to say it. What back do you on say? the bike. Back They're on the all bike. Out this morning. Yep. Yeah, back on the bike, and you know, got back with the whole food sort of uh, line of it. You know, that's when we start perking back up. We can be bright yep. and happy yep. again doing it. So, um, yeah, I can definitely speak from experience on that one. I, I like my junk food binges, but I know it doesn't serve me and doesn't serve the animals because I can't work properly when I'm doing it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it's good to have that reminder every now and again if it's a binge or even if you know you still drink alcohol, but to really realize how that how you felt after it and then say, I remember how I felt. I'm not gonna do it again. Mm, absolutely, it's not worth it. And I mean you yourself are shown what you can achieve on the right food, on the best food. You know, I I follow both you and and Shimmer's um and high carb health, you know, on, on social media. And your yeah. food always looks amazing. And people sort of think, yeah. oh, you know, how how can you just eat that? But you know, I yeah, Shimmer's Shemiz has, has helped me a lot with, with high carb health as well. But uh yeah. and that's that's really helped with the whole gut health thing. But that's a whole other topic, <laughs> continuing <laughs> on the theme of what we consume. Um, you know, like you say, you, you've a whole um you've adopted a, a whole food plant-based diet to can coincide with your, your veganism as we try to most of the time <laughs> i'm usually the one to derail it <laughs> um you know as part of this you abstain from from cooking with oil and, and salt um but you know you also choose to abstain from caffeine and, and alcohol as well and in an interview that you did recently with the kiwi activist michael nelson davis for his podcast the victim's perspective you spoke about how these were another component that society dictates to us and how you choose to stand up for yourself um, and make your own decision on these substances, substances, which is great. And, you know, being able to think critically about our decisions allows us to guide our path more in line with our own ethics or, or principles. And many of us face our, our own hard decisions when choosing to go against the grain for one reason or another. And we're wondering, you know, do you have any advice for somebody going through a choice like that? Um, you know, we just said right before we, we started the, uh, the interview, you know, we know as Kiwis all too well how ingrained the whole binge drinking culture is here um, and how hard it can be to be the only non-drinker at a social event. So, you know, you've, you've abstained for all that, from all that for quite a while now, haven't you? Yeah, I'd just like to make it clear that I was it was not always the case and I was definitely conditioned. I used to drink alcohol, I used to stand at a barbecue, put sausage on sausages on the barbecue with oil, terribly unhealthy. So I'm no better. I've just changed as a result and you can too. It takes more people to just be strong and when you are confident about whatever it is, if it's caffeine or alcohol, you just say to people, even if there's 10, 15 people and you're the minority, speak up say what you want to say, be confident, and people will not hassle you. People don't hassle me anymore with it, with alcohol, with meat, with anything like this. So yeah, it can be a little bit scary, but you can do it, be strong, and make a, make a date, put it, you know, make it apparent to you that I want to stop or whatever, stop consuming something on a certain date and stick to it. And if you do slip up, then make sure that the next gap is even further, you know, and, and get to the point where you're happy and you say, I'm done with it. It's amazing the the power of um, a no thank you. You know, like it, you don't. It's not rude to say you know no thank you. It's it's yep. just looking after yourself. And yeah, as you say, you know, it's, it's standing up for how you feel and how you wish to go forth in your life. Yeah. Well, just to clarify, with the whole caffeine thing, is you know I don't drink tea, coffee, or anything like that. But so you don't drink. I mean, we all know what alcohol is. But when you, when it comes to not consuming caffeine, is that that's tea, coffee? Yep, all of it. Don't have any of it. <laughs> Even gels for performance exercise, a lot of endurance athletes use gels with caffeine in them. And for sure, it does give a performance advantage. But hey, you know, there's all these other banned substances which are banned for a reason. So why doesn't caffeine fall into that category as well? 
so true so true and you came what sixth in your recent 100 miler uh 22nd overall six in my age group wow so with no caffeine (laughs) no caffeine none at all no 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 salt tablets no nothing no no electrolyte mix just fruit and whole foods Wow. wow, that's awesome. I must say it would make uh, the Tour de France a bit more entertaining, you know, seeing them grabbing the hot coffee, you know, I was trying to bike in <laughs> <laughs> a few yeah, more burn yeah. marks rather than road rash. But <laughs> Oh, so, they all use caffeine as well, so I'm not surprised, you know. They, they have um, those, what are the tiny little shots, but very strong coffees. They love them. They go crazy uh, for them. I remember actually, um, years, we're talking years ago now, but I did the Auckland Marathon once and I loved it so much. I never did another one because it went so perfectly. I thought I can't do another one because it might, Fair enough. it, it yep. can't possibly measure up to that. But yeah, the, the amount of the flat Coke was what they were just pumping into us. And at the time yeah. it was the best thing in the world. But yeah, it's just great to know that you don't need that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, fruit has the same effect and it doesn't have any of the nasty chemicals and acids and stuff like that that fizzy drinks have. Brilliant. It's very good to know. But, um, but I haven't been a vegan for seven years now and a prominent activist throughout that time. I understand that you started out by attending AV Cubes. And I also understand you're an advocate for more direct conversations about veganism as compared to the subtler introductions. What is it that draws you to that line of communication? I feel just the interaction that you have from whoever it is, a stranger on the street, and them, their eyes opening to the fact that hey, maybe they were perhaps conditioned to think certain things, you know, as I was and and really realized that it's okay to, you know, take the first step and going, wow, I haven't seen this before. Wow, I didn't know that. And then, you know, progressing hopefully down the steps of the vegan lifestyle. So yeah, that that interaction and um, people being very open to it is uh, what draws me back and what keeps me doing it because um, I feel that people aren't aware for one and and just don't know what's possible so yeah it's it's quite promising definitely i mean you know you're anyone who's uh here in new zealand knows that you're a very seasoned activist and you know pop up <laughs> at, at events all over the place which is fantastic um and it's something even i struggle with it's, it's fine you know being behind a screen or whatever on a keyboard but you know it's hard sort of not to tiptoe around, oh, I don't want to offend people or, you know, how do I start these conversations? So as someone who is, is great at it, do you have any advice for any members of the audience who might like to be more direct with their communication towards non-vegans? Have there been any sort of resources that have helped you along the way in learning to find your voice and your strengths in that way? I would say just practice and talk like you would to just a friend or something like that. Uh, most people have this kind of, fear that the conversation is going to turn angry or the person's going to get aggressive which i would say in 95 percent of situations is never the case and most people are just open to it most people are friendly and you know if they don't want to talk they'll just walk on by and you let them go but uh, i would say yeah the overwhelming majority of people are happy to have a chat about it you know and they probably will learn something new and it's it's quite a good thing so yeah just overcome that fear and just step out and start doing and you'll like I still don't have all the answers, but you know I, I'd like to consider that I have many of the answers. And the only way to be able to snap the answers out is to, to practice. And you know maybe the first few conversations don't go so great, but you never know what impact it has had on that person anyway. You know, and maybe they'll um the ripple effect will will carry on. You you just don't know. There's no way of quantifying it. <laughs> That's great to know. It's also um 
good to know about you know how you're saying if if they don't like it then most of the time they'll just walk away and that's i suppose that is some of that fear that people have when engaging in these sorts of events is that yeah it's gonna go off the handle you know you're gonna have someone barking at you yeah <laughs> go going nuts at you but um also we have spoken to uh, previous organizers of uh, events like AV and stuff like that and they say you know if you if you are too afraid at the start you know you can always be one of the ones holding the the televisions or you know be an, another part of that sort of activism mm. yeah totally we're doing an event tomorrow and even if someone could come along and you know turn the camera on and we can record an interview or something like that then then it can be put on social media and then it can be shared and then who knows what other seeds have been planted as a result of whoever watching it from whatever country, you know, it's just, you never know. Absolutely. And that person holding the camera is then being part of a, a vital piece yep, of exactly. activism. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah, totally. Great. It takes so, two people to do it, you know, so it's important and you don't have to be the one talking. You don't have to be the one interacting with anyone, but it all helps and we can all do our little bit in order to make the world a better place. Definitely. You just learn as you go, don't you? And just get that bit more inspiration and get a bit stronger. So we loved um, one of your campaigns you recently involved with, and that was to put up an enormous billboard in central Auckland, where we are at the moment. Um, and it said, if you think it's wrong to hurt animals, you already believe in being vegan. With the added prompt to drivers and passersbys to give veganism a go for themselves at tryvegan.org. Um, the local vegan community got behind this and... Uh, it was fantastic because you guys had to raise three thousand dollars, I believe, to uh, display it for only a month. And like from an outside perspective, it may seem like this is an expensive way to advocate. But why is it uh, campaigns like this are so important and so worth backing financially? It, we, we just don't know what's going to have the effect on anyone, whether it's a billboard or online activism or me doing the endurance uh, sporting events that I do. I think we just need to do as much as we can and do whatever we can in order to try and change more people or, you know, at least get into the stage of being open-minded to change. So it's just another avenue, really. Yeah, covering all bases. I guess, um, I mean, as we know, the, the local vegan community got behind you and, and you had that money in no time, which was fantastic. I guess it's something about, I don't know, for, for me, donating to something like that, um, it's kind of like a, a pride feeling, you know, certainly among the vegan community when you, when you look up at something. I mean, we were in Christchurch and I had nothing to do with it, but there was a vegan billboard in Christchurch, I believe. And, um, and it was just sort of looking at it and thinking, yeah, you know, we, <laughs> we're getting out totally, there, we're totally, getting yeah. everywhere, you know, um, in whatever way that we can. And it's like, yeah, you can try and shut your eyes to what's happening, but you try to close your eyes to that big thing over there. You know? That's right. And that's why we stand on the street with TVs as well, because people have to walk by and, whether they're sitting on the laptops at their home on the couch and they, they might click on something, but they're less likely to because no one's in their face, you know, and standing on the street, again, people can walk on by, but they don't. And especially with the billboard, yeah, you, you cannot miss it. And we have some people that have regular donations set up as automatic payments and encourage more people to do it because, like, for instance, the Auckland Vegan Facebook page has 10,000 members, you know, and if every single person donated one dollar then we could have that billboard up for almost another three months you know and a dollar's nothing to you to most people you know even if you did that once a year look at what we could achieve absolutely yeah it's, um... it's fantastic and there's um quite often a discussion we see come up in vegan groups about 
you know, whether it's better to back certain organizations than others, you know, or, you know, in the case of maybe supporting a sanctuary or um, supporting direct action with your finances. And if you're somebody who wants to support activism directly, you know, this is a great thing. As you say, even if it's just a dollar, you know, you can yep. Yep. If, even like for us, we have $20 a month each that we sort of just spread out, you know, into a couple of different places. And so even if it's just $5 one month, you put towards your local group's billboard, that, that's a fantastic thing for people to yep. do. Yeah, even a dollar a month would be a game changer. <laughs> Absolutely. And again, it's that yeah. pride thing of something, you know, it's a really important form of activism to be able to like, oh, I helped achieve that, even if it was just in a small way, you know, we all know how much those those little things count. So um, you mentioned you've got an event tomorrow and as the um, Auckland organiser for Make the Connection Advocacy Group, will we be right in thinking that Make the Connection operates in a similar manner to, to AV, which is anonymous for the voiceless, if anyone doesn't know? Um, could you tell us a bit more about this movement? Like, is it unique to to New Zealand is it something that Kiwis started I wouldn't say Kiwis started some other groups around the world did it just because AV has very strict rules and we just thought it'd be nice to be a bit more flexible you know perhaps show some different things have different masks because those masks also have an association to certain negative aspects around the world which is kind of unfortunate but hey you know like to the person on the street they don't really care about what masks we're wearing or what the exact footage is so the important thing to me is that we're out doing it and showing it and having those conversations because the, the finer details don't matter too much. And on the subject of Make the Connection, we've actually progressed it uh, even further. Like we've got a new activist who's come along and he's got this idea to have a statement that says animals deserve to be abused, prove me wrong. And most people are unhappy with that statement, but it has uh, it drives people to have this conversation and go, what? You can't say that, you know, and then bam just like that conversation started and then from there they realized that they're being hypocritical by being not liking the statement but then paying for animals to be exploited and killed so you know it's just progressed from the av thing to the mtc and now to this one and we'll just make it change it in ways that work better and keep moving forward stop the podcast we'd like to take a moment to give a shout out to one of our partners the nzavs the New Zealand Anti-Vivisection Society, NZAVS, is New Zealand's primary charity defending animals used in science. Their mission is to end animal experimentation and the harmful use of animals for research, testing and teaching. Follow them to keep up with their tireless work in game-changing campaigns for the animals at nzavs.org.nz. Now back to the podcast. Fantastic. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for the explanation. Yeah, I love having those approaches though of that, you know, get them to um undermine themselves, you know, with, with having yep. to answer yep. that question. It's um I suppose it sort of stems from that common meme that yeah, you see with that guy with the uh table in the park, you know, yeah, with that whole thing of prove me wrong. And it's yep. um it's, it's a great way to to tackle it. I I must check out more of those videos because I've been seeing them come up from the local feed and I'm like, yeah, I'd love to see what what the response would be, especially here in New Zealand with it very, you know, we support our farmers, although we should be supporting our produce farmers, just not the farmers. That's right. Yeah, yeah. But um, within our advocacy, there's been so many different groups and constantly new ones emerging, old ones fading away and then some being uh, brought back to life. But um, as an organization who tries to showcase a huge variety of activism, we've seen how people might love some groups and then dislike other groups because, you know, their method doesn't quite gel with them. So finding your tribe can be difficult in a world where we're so interconnected by the Internet, but then still 
distanced uh, to a degree. Um, watching you go through, go about your activism and your outreach here in Auckland and around the country, you look like you're really in your element now, you know, and you've got the one big happy family, you know, you've got your tribe. Do you have any tips for our activists on finding their tribe? It takes time. Yeah, certainly when I was first vegan, I didn't know many people and I definitely went through that kind of angry at the world phase. And since then, things have gotten progressively better and better to where there's, yeah, there's a huge group of activists. There's also the potlucks that happen. There's also like fitness groups all within our city now. And yeah, it's taken time, but be that person who makes an event or hosts a potluck or something. You know, don't just rely on other people to do it because everyone's probably thinking the same thing oh someone else should do it but you know you could be that person and I never really pictured myself as being that person but it's really not that hard you know make a Facebook event or whatever else and and be there on the time that whatever it is for your event and show up and do the job you know and more people will come and more people will get involved. That's a great idea and even I'm doing things like um I know around here you know there's a few cafes and stuff like that that have a vegan menu you know if you want to go there um, just put a heads up, you know, like, hey, I'm going to go check out this place. Feel free to come along, you know, like, yeah, yep. there's so yep. many things you can do to get people, um, yeah, meeting up. Absolutely. We have even for activism events too, you know, I say like even if one person decides or considers to change, then it's worth it, you know. It doesn't have to be 100 people showing up or 100 people interacting, whatever, because, again, that ripple effect, they might go home and talk to their friends or family and then, that individual person might not change, but someone else as a result of the conversation that they've had may change from there. Absolutely. It's all those planting seeds, isn't it? We had a lady come up to us in the supermarket a little while ago, didn't we? And she, she doesn't, she's not, not on the internet or she doesn't have a computer. Um, and then she's, she's been vegan for, for years and we were, in the supermarket talking to her for almost an hour because she's obviously you know sort of <laughs> lacking in in vegan friends yeah, um yeah. and so yeah she said oh I, w- I would love it for someone to to organize something because yeah not everybody most people have access to social media but some people need more in-person contact and so um mm. so we made her a promise that if we ever organize anything we're going to drop a line in because the librarian at the local library knows that she's vegan and that she will she will tell her so there's always ways in me nice nice yeah we need to stick together definitely definitely but often within the movement we um we see people being heavily involved in singular aspects of veganism you know one or another for instance the majority of um vegan athletes that we see you know the shining examples of health and in fitness but we see them focus primarily primarily on their sport um some try to sort of slot in a bit of animal advocacy here and there but others not at all but for someone who does both your sport and activism so frequently how do you find balance between those passions and how important is it to you to represent both Uh, i see it as uh, a walking billboard if you're wearing something like team vegan as i do at events and yeah the ethical connection to the animals is so important and you guys have obviously you know made that a thing by saying fta and it is so important because people that are vegan for their health do it for their health and it's a a thing that's a personal thing you know perhaps they haven't seen dominion or something like that and they might not quite fully understand it and that aspect is so important so for me yeah both avenues are totally important because one thing is that we need to show that we can shine by running or doing whatever it is we do and then also speaking about the animals because that is in my mind the fourth to why i am vegan and why people should be vegan 
Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah. thank you for, for being the way that you are. You know, I honestly can't think of many, if any other people really, that that really epitomize the whole, both aspects, the, the way that you do. It's awesome. Do you, um, just out, out of curiosity, you know, when you said you, you got into the whole fitness thing by, by cycling, um, is there one aspect of your events that you like doing? For example, when I did triathlons very many moons ago, I loved running, but I was rubbish at the rest. <laughs> Do you have a, a favorite kind of uh, component in, in your events? Yeah, certainly cycling would be the one. You cannot beat the feeling of it, you know, being able to coast downhill or even ride uphill fast is certainly an amazing feeling. Uh, especially mountain biking i've gotten to that recently too and it's oh you just have such a big smile on your face after riding and it happens each time you know you have that joy so yeah certainly but running second and then swimming probably last out of those three oh, brilliant in a recent interview you did with the new zealand uh, vegan magazine you said that life was easier for you as a vegan when it comes to being an athlete uh, can you explain a little bit more about this for our viewers yeah, certainly. Like, for instance, it's now, what, 11.30. I haven't had breakfast. Usually I will just have my water in the morning, go out for my training run or training ride, and then I'll come home and have my breakfast, and I look forward to it that much more so. And from there, it would be fruit, and then fruit for lunch as well because it's so easy to digest. And, you know, if I'm doing a double run day, for instance, then I have a nice light feeling in the body that I can go out for another run. Maybe it's another six seven eight k in the afternoon or something like that and i don't have that sluggish feeling where i want to lie down and digest my food because i have nature's optimum fruit the fast food so that's certainly one aspect of it you know not having to digest a big heavy meal uh, also the recovery i know that we're meant to eat certain foods and that's what i do frequently so that my body can recover the muscle soreness or the muscle fatigue instead of having to digest and eliminate bad food that I've consumed, you know, because I don't consume it. So getting to the stage of uh, getting the body as happy as it can be with the food input and also the training load. It's awesome. It's, it's great. I think, you know, when you understand the plant-based nutrition, we talk a lot about, you know, the body's a machine and you've got to fool that you've got to fuel the machine. And it's, you know, like I said, you're, you're just an example, a shining example of, of how the body can run when it's you know really being treated like a, a i don't know machines the right way your, your body's a, a <laughs> yeah machine yeah it's a, it's a good analogy to try and work it out yeah yeah it's just when you're just running on the right fuel i guess um you know i, I read in the same interview actually in the vegan mag that you um for, for breakfast you know you'll, you'll eat a whole watermelon with a spoon and i thought i just could picture that and i thought what a wonderfully mindful way of eating you know it must take a bit of a while <laughs> But, you know, so many of us, we, we scoff breakfast and you're not even really thinking about what you're eating, what you're eating for, and you just shove it in your face and it's, it's gone. You know, I would imagine that eating a watermelon with a spoon would be a bit different. <laughs> definitely, definitely. A lot of people just have a slice because they're scared of the sugar or something like that, which is insane. But, yeah, if you look at or if you try and take it back to what we would have eaten back in the day before technology, before all of this modern-day society what would it have been you know chances are we would have just walked along to a tree or found some kind of fruit gone whoa that looks good oh that smells good crack it open oh that tastes good and then eaten as much as we wanted of it exactly it makes so much sense doesn't it when you think about it. we didn't worry about you know anything like that back then too much sugar too many carbs and all that but yeah, uh, yeah. it's That's um, right. 
I have to give it a go sometime. It might take me a while. Definitely, definitely. We can talk after this too, and I'd love to help you guys as well. So It sounds good. I'd be keen for that. I know um, one aspect that a lot of people, and I hadn't thought about this as well, um, have thought about until becoming involved with such activities as running, is where to get your gear from as an ethical vegan. I have to admit, it didn't occur to me, and it should have, you know, because it makes total sense. But in, you know, in the same interview, you also spoke about buying ethically sourced training gear um, and avoiding common products used in the sports world, you know, such as the synthetic fabric clothing and um, a lot of the balms that, that are out there as well. So for all our lovely overseas viewers who don't have the chance to pick up this wonderful magazine for themselves, could you share a little on this topic? Yeah, I use the Ultra shoes. I'm not sponsored in any way to say that. The reason I use them is because they've got a nice wide toe box so they, your toes don't get squished in. But yeah, the majority of their running shoes are vegan as well. So that's obviously super important. And then from there, uh, I just don't use fancy running gear because you don't really need it. You know, if you're just doing a training run around the park, then a simple cotton shirt or something will do the trick, no worries. And uh, on that subject too, like I try and run on the grass as well to minimize the wear on shoes and having to buy more as well. So, you know, rather than running on concrete and stuff like that, you can run on grass and that prolongs the wear of them, which is a, a great thing. So, yeah. Oh, it's good to know. It's good to know you can you can do things in plain clothes as well, isn't it? You know, quite often we'll be out for a walk. We'll be out for a walk casual as anything in T-shirt and shorts or whatever, and we'll come up everyone else facing the other way to us and we'll be like oh my goodness we came out without our walking clothes you know <laughs> like oh i haven't got yeah. my katmandu walking jacket <laughs> yeah yeah no you don't need all the fancy stuff and i mean i've got a couple of cotton printed vegan shirts you know and i love to wear them in different places because people take notice that whether or not they say anything they probably don't but they definitely you know they might give you a salty look but hey you know i'm the one running along at four thirty-five minutes per k doing whatever I'm doing, you know, and the other one's walking. So who's the one that's upset as a result of seeing a vegan message? And again, you know, they might kind of give you not the best look, but maybe they'll go, oh, well, and take notice another vegan is doing another lap, you know, or something like that. And that's kind of a cool thing. So absolutely, yeah, that's another billboard, great running billboard. <laughs> Yes, it's another great way to be active, isn't it? I know when, when we're out, you know, I've got my, my Defender of Animals on and, um, when we're wearing that shirt, people often smile at us when we have Defender of Animals. They're probably not even vegan. They probably eat animals, you yep. know, but yep. but they just like, oh, that's nice. Or, or when we wear an anti-carnist uh, design that's a bit more intricate, you'll see people kind of like staring at us, trying to read it, and then the penny's dropping, and they're like, oh, I'm not quite sure what I make of this. But, but yeah. it's great to watch other people's expressions. It's very entertaining. <laughs> totally, totally, totally. And, you know, if they do say something, then I'll say, you know, when's the last time you ran an ultra marathon or when's the last time you did something like this, you know, and it, it would just have been an inspiring conversation if they asked that question. And I'm always keen for the time that it does or does not happen. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the thing when they uh, instigate it as well, when they ask the questions themselves, that often means that they're going to be more open um, to receiving those answers too, because it's, it's them instigating. And so, um, yeah, I, I love wearing our vegan gear when we're out and about doing our stuff. We're, we're not running, but <laughs> when we go for our walk, yeah, against the uh, the Kathmandu front, you know, it's uh, it goes quite well. But um, <laughs> something we touched on at the very start of this interview was about your hundred, the incredible hundred mile run, 
and how you incorporated a nice little bit of activism at the end of it. Mm. Um, we understand you copped a bit of flack for it as well. Um, would you mind sharing with our audience what it was you did and the community response you received from it? Well, I'd like to say that the community response was really good. There was only one Facebook thread where it wasn't so good. But yeah, uh, the idea was to have a sign and have a poignant question to the, the wider audience, you know, not directed at anyone. Uh, that was especially important to me that I had to make it to the end in order to hold the sign up, you know, because if I got to 120K in and pulled the pin, then I wouldn't have been able to do it, you know. That it's all about that photo finish where you've made it across the finish line, you know, powered by plants and obviously holding the sign was super important. So I said, 100 mile ultra as a vegan, why eat animals? And that's what I held up as I jog slash walked across the last little stretch. Cause mm -hmm. yeah, why not? You know, it's a, it's a point where you got that chance to have uh, the photos taken and have the mass, the, the most amount of input impact so it was yeah, very important to me to to make it to the line in order to hold the sign up uh, it was brilliant absolutely just loved that loved all the photos it was jinky wasn't it that that took wonderful photos of you along the whole way and, and it was yeah just... big thanks to jinky for coming along because yeah she showcased it in a way that was just so much more impactful as well and super fortunate to have her along for the journey and you you had a whole vegan um, support team didn't you that you had um Shemiz as well Yep, Shamiza and my other mate Cam was there. They were the pace runners slash support runners. So they are allowed to run with you, not allowed to give you any food or anything, but I guess a little bit of psychological motivation or a bit of, uh, you know, just, just having someone else there running through the night Definitely. <laughs> is, is a great thing when you're that deep into a, a huge, crazy ultra. Because, yeah, it took, uh, took you just over 24 hours, was it? Yeah, I, I kind of had a personal goal that I would like to get under 24 hours, and that is quite a special thing for a 100-mile distance. Um, and I was on track for that, except um, with about 9K to go, my knee just got very, very sore as a result of being 100 and, what was it, 50-something Ks in. And I didn't quite make it, but the time was 24 hours and 35 minutes. Wow. So maybe next time. There might be a next time too. <laughs> Wow, that is, yeah, that would be awesome. To, to give everyone an idea of, of how fast that actually is and how fit you'd have to be, I uh, saw a post recently from the International Anti-Poaching Foundation where the um, Akashinga Rangers um, also ran for 24 hours, and I think you managed around 40, 40-odd kilometres more than that in the same amount of time, which is a huge right, distance. Right. So, you know, that's that's a pretty <laughs> pretty fire-running machine you can't say. <laughs> yeah, well, about almost 200 people were on the start list, uh, 152 finished. So there were some D DNSs did not start and some DNFs did not finish. And then, yeah, so my result was 22nd overall out of 150 something finishes. That's yeah, that's that's amazing. That's that's so cool, you know. Um, and something that you continue to do, you know, I'd like you say that yeah, that's been far from far from the last event for you. I mean, we can't even begin to count all your achievements, but and I think um I read that leading up to the, the Tarawera Ultra Marathon, which is what you did, um, you're regularly running like hundred kilometers or more a week leading up to that. Um, which is a brilliant feat in itself, but as if that wasn't amazing enough, you also did it for the animals, which is just so cool um, to raise money for the wonderful Pause a Wild Animal Sanctuary. Um, 
you know, now that you've already run a 165 kilometer event to the animals, where on earth do you go from here? Is there an even bigger goal in existence than that? And would you want to do it? Yeah, yeah, there, there absolutely is. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm comfortable sharing it because it's one thing that uh, I think, you know, once you commit to it, it's kind of out in the open and <laughs> there's no going back as, the, as it was the case for the, the 100 miler. But yeah, there's certainly some bigger plans brewing and, you know, my physical peak my age well with my age uh, i've still got a few years to try and pull it off so you've watched this space <laughs> fantastic absolutely will do well um on that topic you know i know you have an awesome vlog uh where can our followers go to keep up to date with you on social media just kiwi bigfoot on youtube and on instagram or facebook too so i share uh physical stuff physical exercise uh also animal rights activism also what i eat and other stuff like that in relation to this wonderful vegan lifestyle. Thank you for listening to this interview. We hope you have found it informative and entertaining. To learn more about Josh's work, check out Kiwi Bigfoot on social media platforms. Once again, be sure to follow us on our social media pages for future episodes. And if you're enjoying our content, please leave a review on your chosen podcast platform. This has been Vegan FTA, vegan for the animals.